0: Happy birthday, man, I'm super excited to to be with you today, whether you're here in our physical location, whether you're watching as part of our online community today, welcome to birthday weekend, y'all, I'm excited, I'm excited today and Before we dive into God's word, I also know that there are some members of our church family that also are celebrating birthdays today. My friend Angie, my friend Sherry, my friend Julie, anybody else that ends in E, they're all celebrating birthdays today. They're all 22 years old today, y'all. But happy birthday to our church family. It's really, really exciting. Several times a year we bring the whole church family together for one big service. And so I just need to find out where my people are. Give it up if you're normally in the 9 o'clock service. Give it up if you're normally in the 11 o'clock service. 11 o'clockers, you haven't been that loud in four months. Let's go. Well, if you're, if you're new here, you're a special guest today. Man, we're so grateful that you made a part of your weekend to be here at Riverside. I know some of you are here because you're excited about baptisms uh, coming up later. But my name is Michael. I have the honor of being one of the pastors here at Riverside. And if you're here for the first time, one of the things that you need to know, one of the, the values here of, of our house is that we believe in the power of prayer. One of our values is that we pray bad prayers. And our church family knows that when we talk about bad prayers, bold, audacious, daring prayers, they're the kind of things that when we think about it, that could never be answered. That could never be solved. I could never be healed. But we know that when we attach our request to a powerful God, he can do infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so as you leave today, you... You may see in the lobby, in in the cafe, kind of some things that are written on the windows. Those are prayers. Those are prayers that we've been praying as a church family. And every so often, we just like to take time on a Sunday morning to share that we have had some answered prayers that have happened in this house. We have an incredible couple and over the years they've had a couple projects that they've wanted to have completed at their house, but finances have just, man, not allowed them to do that. And through a miraculous blessing through insurance, they've been able to complete both projects in the last couple of weeks. Can we celebrate how God has blessed that incredible couple? There was someone just last week at the door and I've been praying for them because she'd been praying for a new job opportunity. And she said, Pastor, you need to know that that this week, tomorrow, I'm starting a brand new job. The Lord opened up favor over my life. Can we give it up? There's been a family that's been in the midst of transition. They've been moving and... Really one of the last pieces to fall into place is we just need to sell our house. It's been hanging over our neck. It seems like, man, it's been such a burden. And she reached out to me the other day and said, hey, pastor, the final piece has fallen into place and we got the perfect offer on our house. Will you be celebrating with us? Incredible. One of my friends here, uh, she's been having some issues with her eyesight. And she went to the doctor, and and they were really concerned, and they did several different biopsies on her eyes, and she called me not too long ago, and she said, Michael, you need to know that every single test, every single result came back benign, and I don't have to go back to the doctor for another 12 months. There's one that I'd personally been praying for for about the last four or five months, and It was from an incredible family in this church. And they said, will you be praying for the safe arrival uh, of our baby boy? And just about three weeks ago, I'm excited to tell you that Waylon Zare was born healthy, complete, and family. The rest of them are doing so, so well. And then finally, about a year ago, I had the opportunity to do a a small wedding in this space, and it looked a little different because of COVID, but also because my friend Caleb was about to be deployed. And and so we had a small service right here, and, and he had to go out of the country, and Every single day that he was gone, he and our church family and his family continued to pray. And just a couple weeks ago, after six months of deployment, Caleb came back home safe and sound. God has his hand of protection (laughs) upon him and we thank him. Thank you for your service time and time again. But God continues to move in and through this church. So I want to remind you that, man, when God answers your prayer, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate like all good families do. And you can go to riversidepeoria.com slash prayers and let us know. Correspond so we can celebrate with you what God is doing in and through this church. As Pastor John said, we truly believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. Well, if you're here for the first time, you're with us and I can't believe it's already week four of a series that we're calling Wake Up Call. We're spending six weeks really studying the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And in the first week, if you were here, you remember that we talked about division in the church and how Paul preached against that. don't allow any kind of division in the church. In week two, we went there, y'all. If you remember week two, we got into it. We talked about sexual purity. We talked about sex within marriage. I shared at the worship night on, on Friday night. I was at the fridge, and I, I met a couple of guests there the other day. And, and, and he came up to me. He's like, Pastor, I love that sex seminar you gave a couple Sundays ago. And I was like, well, that's not exactly accurate. But, yeah, let's, let's, we'll go with it. And then last week, week three, Rachel and I had the opportunity to preach together about love and relationships. And it's been incredible to hear some of your stories in terms of parenting and other relationships from this place of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you continue to read through the book, you get to chapter 14. In chapter 14, Paul is talking about the gift of prophecy. He's speaking on the ability to speak in tongues and other languages he talks about the call to have an orderly church services and then when you move on into 1st Corinthians chapter 15 he reminds the Corinthians about one of I believe one of the most foundational truths in all of Christianity go with me to 1st Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4 it says let me now remind you dear brothers and sisters of the good news I preached to you before you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. See, I believe it's the most perfect scripture for Baptism Sunday. See, Paul is acknowledging the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every single person that gets baptized today, they're acknowledging the same. They're acknowledging the death of their old life. They're acknowledging that they've entered into a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here for the first time in this whole idea of baptism, well, what is it? Well, simply put, baptism is an outward declaration of, of an inward transformation. It's to show what Jesus has done in their lives. And before we get too far into it, I want to give you some things that that baptism isn't. And when you look at a tank like this, so often my kids thought it was like a big bathtub. When they were growing up in the church, they're like, who's getting baptized today? And and I, I, I need to tell you that when you think about baptism, baptism isn't a bath. But baptism is an acknowledgement of the bath. Baptism is an acknowledgement of the cleansing that Jesus has done on my life, in my heart. Can I tell you who baptism? Baptism isn't for perfect people. Baptism is for progressing people. See, nobody who's going to get into this tank in just a few minutes in about 53 minutes, if you're keeping track. Ha <laughs> ha) um, No one that's getting into this tank today are saying, I'm perfect, but they're saying, I'm progressing. There was a moment for each and every one of them that they put their trust, their faith in Jesus, and they turned from their old life of sin to move forward in the direction that Jesus has for them. And now today, they invited y'all to be here because they want to tell what Jesus has done in their life. One last thing. Baptism isn't a savior, baptism is a symbol. See, there's nothing mystical, mysterious, supernatural about the water. It's just basically a big bath that's been sitting there warming up since Friday night. But what it is, it's a symbol of what Jesus has done in their life. Let me get it to you straight because sometimes people sign up to get baptized on a morning like this and they say, I can't wait for Jesus to save me. No, that's not what this is about. This is just a symbol, an acknowledgement that I've entered into a relationship with Jesus, and now it's an acknowledgement of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what he's done in my life. Now today, you're going to see kind of three actions in the tank, three specific things that you're going to see, and if you're a note taker in the room, I want you to write these down today. I think first of all, you're going to see as people walk up, there's, it starts with what I call the descent. They're going to make their way down these steps into the tank. There is a descent, and every time that I see people walk into the tank, it reminds me that each and every one of us has at some point in our life descended into sin. Because you need to know that from the dawn of creation, from Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, each and every one of us have been born with a sin nature. Now, some of you are sitting here today, and and you're pretty good people. And you're like, well, I've descended into sin a little bit. And I would probably believe that with some of you. You're kind of what I would call ankle-deep sinners. You haven't gotten into too much bad stuff, but then you got me. Like, like real talk. Like I've done laps in sin before. Like I've been fully emerged in sin. Like, like I, I'm the Michael Phelps of sin, y'all. Some of y'all are sitting here. No, that's not me. Great for you, pastor. <laughs> but I don't want you to get it twisted. Because I don't care how good you are, we all fall short. Go to Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You all have sinned. That's about to rock some of your world right now. No, we've all fall short of God because we all have a sinful nature. I don't know what your house was like growing up. But I, re- I remember one day I-, I came home, we had a season where my mom and I, we lived with, with my Nana. And one day I came home, I had a really rough day, and I came home and my mom was working, my Nana was there. And I said, Nan, I hate this boy. Because he was bullying me, he had picked on me day after day, and my Nana in her really polite British accent, she goes, we don't say hate. We don't say hate in this home. Because she said, hate means that you wish that thing Was never around that you wish that thing would disappear. And I was like, yeah, accurate I wish Billy was gone. I hate that dude. There's certain things in my life. I hate I hate cauliflower Don't come to the door and try to give me your recipe for cauliflower. I've tried 43 different varieties of cauliflower. I hate it. I wish it was never around it always smells like my boys stinky soccer bag But if I'm, I'm really honest and genuine with you, I, I hate sin. I, I wish sin wasn't around because I've seen what it's done to families. I've seen what it's done to relationships. I've seen what it's done to individuals. And, and I've seen what it's done to me. Why do I hate sin so much? Because I think there's three things that sin does. I think, number one, it seduces. Sin comes in really close and it whispers thing oh nobody's ever going to no it's just kind of a a one and done and I don't know about you but sin in my life generally it just kind of starts off pretty small I remember when I was a, a young person and I had some friends in my life and they weren't really churchgoers, they didn't come with me on a Sunday morning and and they kind of talked like sailors and so one day I wanted to talk like a sailor now look at me, you're like, you could never cut it in the military, bro. And so I remember one day I, I, I just said a word, and I loved the reaction from my friends. They're like, oh, the Christian boy said a word. And I loved the reaction so much. Listen, real talk, I started effing this and effing that all the time. And before I knew it, that small seduction had taken me down a path that God never intended me to ever be. See, because sin seduces, but the second thing I've seen is, is, is sin seizes. Sin gets us to a place where we seem like there's no way out. I'm too far gone. I've fallen too far in the pit. And there's some of you today that even when your loved one reached out and said, will you come to baptism Sunday? Will you see me be baptized? You're like, nah, I ain't coming. Because if I walk through those doors, they ain't going to get to birthday number 23 because the church is going to burn down when I walk in. Because you've gotten to believe the lie from the enemy that this is all your life is going to be. That it's good for everybody else that goes into that tank. Everybody else that has a second, third, fourth chance. But Michael, you don't know my story. I'm too far into sin. And to those of you that came in today, that turned on your computer, got on your phone today, and you believe that, I want you to lean in. Because today I believe the Lord has a word just for you. That I believe that if, if, if you really lean in, I believe you're going to leave differently than you walked in. I believe that you're in this place because sin to me, why do I am spending time even preaching this message today? Because in my life, sin has seduced me, sin has seized me, but overall for each and every one of us, sin separates us from Jesus. Don't get it twisted. Sin separates us from Jesus. There is a division that has to happen. Can I tell you today, without Jesus, we're all sunk. Without Jesus, we have no future. That's why he took a horrendous punishment on the cross for you and for me. That's why he he was beaten it's why that he was placed a crown of thorns upon his head, that he was put on a cross, that a spear went through his side, that his, his entrails all started to spill out, that, that they took massive nails and put through his hands, put through his feet. Why was that? It was because his love for you and his love for me. He did it out of love for us. The beautiful thing about that really horrific story is that the crucifixion of Jesus bought the rescue for our rebellion. For all those times where we've tried to do it on our own, all those times where we've, we've turned our back on Jesus. Paul not only writes First and Second Corinthians, but he also is the author of the book of Romans. Romans 5, 6-8, he says, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Can I give you a really church word for that? It means that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins that Jesus became the substitute, that Jesus stood in our place, that Jesus took one for the team out of his love for you and for me. See, I've thought a lot about different chapters of my life. On on Friday night at our worship night, I, I shared that I've been going through lots of old journals that I've kept over the years and I've looked at it, it's a great, beautiful photograph, snapshot of my life in different seasons, and I got to one, probably the first journal I, I ever wrote was when I was in college. And... and as I was reading it, it took me right back. I was probably a 21, 22 year old man at that time. And there was a group of us from Bradley that went to Steamboat Days. I don't even think Steamboat Days is around. It was like, like a carnival uh, by the river. And and there was a girl in, in, in our friend group that I was really trying to impress. I, I told my roommates, I said, I'm not I'm not going unless this girl's going. And they called me like, she going. I'm like, well, then I'm going. And uh, we, we went and we, we got on the rides and, and there was this ride called Zero Gravity. I think it's still around today. But basically, it's this big round circle with probably 50 chairs that go around and you stand up. And as it starts to go around and around, it kind of pushes you uh, against the wall and, and, the, and the chair kind of goes up to the sky. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I I, listen, I went on that thing because I was trying to impress. I'm not good with spinny rides to this day. I can't even go on those swings at like the turkey festival. makes me sick to my stomach. But for some reason, I decided to go on this ride to impress this girl. I kid you not. About 13 seconds in, I was about crying to my mama, crying to Jesus, calling to the ride operator to make that thing stop. Because as soon as that thing got off, I tried to play it cool, This is no joke. I got off the ride, and you know how they have those kind of like silver metallic steps to let you on and off the ride? Like for, I got to step number one, and I fell down the rest two, three, four, and five. (laughs) Like I just biffed it in the gravel downtown. Y'all, I looked up at that girl, and she was like so not interested. She's like, I'm done. Like, bro, this ain't happening. And, you know, I, I think about that really stupid story because... If you went back to my life at that time, that image, that story really encapsulated my life at that time. Because I had followed Jesus for many years. I had come to a service like this and accepted Jesus. But then, I don't know, maybe this is your story. You kind of got further and further away from him over time. And and that was a season where I was just so confused. I, I, I kept... Falling down into sin I, I kept making really bad decisions I kept tripping over life and when I think about it why was that season of my life so difficult because I completely shut out Jesus in my life see I don't know who's in here today I don't know who's watching today but you may be able to relate to that because your life feels like it's spinning out of control your life feels like a mess and you keep falling down, you keep making mistakes, you keep falling into sin time and time again. That's why it's so important today that you really understand the message of Jesus. Because when you attach your life with Jesus, your life can be, go from being characterized by the spinning to being characterized by the spectacular. See, I don't know where you are today, where your life feels like it's spinning out of control, but today Jesus is trying to get your attention. He's trying to invite you back home and say, it's always better with me. See, there's a moment that each of those getting baptized, there was a moment, and and I love what you're going to see in just a little bit, over a dozen people are getting baptized today, and it's such a beautiful cross-section of our church family. It's a beautiful snapshot, snapshot of, of the vision, a, a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, socioeconomic church. It's a beautiful photo of what I believe heaven is going to be like. But every single person that's going to make their way, descend into this tank today, there came a moment when they saw that they were heading in a different direction, that they were apart from Jesus, and they gave their heart and life to Jesus. And they would tell you today, there is something really special about their life right now. There's a, their life is defined by hope. Their life is defined by, by peace. Their life is defined by the steadiness that only a relationship with Jesus can provide. See, when your loved one today starts to descend in, in the tank, they're acknowledging the death of Jesus. They're acknowledging their death of their old life, and they're saying, I'm moving into a new life. I'm symbolizing a new life with Jesus at the center. See, it starts with the descent, but second of all, as you're gonna watch, it next moves on to what I call the dunk. You're going to see that every single person, they come in and they sit down in this little spot, this little stool, a place where they can just sit as they prepare for baptism. And see, you need to know that here at Riverside, we believe in, in, in baptism and immersion in water. That may be a little bit different because the beautiful thing about Riverside is we have people from all different religious backgrounds. There's some of you that, man, you've never been in church before and we're so grateful that, that you're here today. There's Friends of mine that I know that that have grown up in in the Catholic church and so the way we do baptisms and the way that they were baptized are totally different. But what does it all come from? See, we look in the New Testament and the New Testament pattern of baptism is full immersion. It's not getting sprinkled, it's getting submerged. There's a dunking that takes place. Let me go back and show you. John the Baptist, Mark 1, through 4-5. It says, He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. You read a little bit later, Philip and the eunuch, Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. See, what are you saying? See, there's some of you that every time when we're talking about the next baptism Sunday, you just kind of disregard that announcement because you say, well, I was was baptized when I was little. I was sprinkled as a baby. Can I challenge some of y'all today? Can I step on some of your toes today? If you were sprinkled as a baby and you've never fully been immersed in water baptism, you should be the next one signed up for our next baptism Sunday. It's obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, I know when the next one is. It's two weeks right before Christmas. December 11th, we're going to bring the whole family back together for one service at 10 o'clock. And on December 11th, We want you to be baptized. Baptisms are live right now. You can, don't even listen to me right now. Go right now. RiversidePeoria.com slash baptisms. It's up. You can sign up. If you've never been immersed, submerged in water, I want to challenge you. Sign up today to be ready to go for the very next time. You see, as you read through this horrific story of Jesus' crucifixion, when you go back into the Gospels, we see As Jesus is hanging there on the cross, he shouts... It it, it says in scripture that he breathes his last breath, he releases his spirit, and simultaneously as Jesus is dying, the veil in the temple is torn in two. It says that there's a massive earthquake, earthquake that rattles all the surrounding region. Get this, there's a resurrection of the dead. There are men and women who were dead, who come back out of their tombs. They come back to life, and in that moment, all the religious, leaders, all of the soldiers, all the guards at that time, they look at one another and they said, this man truly was the Son of God. See, because in the midst of that crucifixion, they missed the magnitude of the moment. They missed the importance of it. Rather than worshiping Jesus, they taunted Jesus. Rather than believing in Jesus, they belittled Jesus. See, today, wherever you're watching this from, I don't want you to miss the magnitude of the moment. I believe that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is trying to get a hold of your heart. And even right now, you're sitting here and and your, your, your heart is beating out of your chest. Your palms are getting a little sweaty. Like, what is going on right now? I believe it's an attempt for the Lord to speak to you. To reveal things in your life right now. See, because Jesus hangs up there. His body, dead, limp. And you read the rest of the story at the end of Matthew, verse 27, picking up in verse 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. See, when when Jesus was buried, first of all, it served as finality. Now, some have questioned, well, maybe Jesus really wasn't dead. Maybe he had just fainted, passed out, lost consciousness. But Joseph and both of the Marys were there as eyewitnesses. And let me tell you, you don't bury somebody unless you truly know that they're dead. Let me say that to my wife. Don't bury me one day unless you know for sure that I'm dead. See, these three, they served as eyewitnesses. Uh, and see, the burial of Jesus didn't just serve as finality, but it actually also served as fulfillment. Because some 700 years ago, this very moment was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verse 9. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. See, Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He never did one thing wrong, but yet he chose to take the punishment for you and for me. See, there's, there's a moment where, where people are going to be laid down in the water. It symbolizes the burial of Jesus. And see, as we lay those people down... They're, they're saying today, I, I'm burying my old life of sin. I'm leaving it under the water. And some of y'all are looking right now, is that how long you're going to leave me down there? <laughs> Maybe. Some of y'all nasty. We're going to make sure we got it. <laughs> some of y'all lap swimmers in sin just like me. I know but they're leaving it under the ground. See, what they're saying when they go under the water, they're saying, I've now been disconnected from my old life of sin and now I'm devoted to my new life with Jesus at the center. I've moved from death to life. I'm burying it. I'm leaving it under the water and I'm being raised to new life in Jesus. See, when it comes to baptism, we take our cues from the early church in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the fifth, fifth book in the New Testament. It's the establishment of the early church. And you see Peter, Peter is preaching to a massive crowd on the day of Pentecost. Look at this in Acts 2.41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. You go later on in in, in the book of Acts. This familiar story. Pastor Josh talked it about talked about it a few weeks ago. Rach hit on it last week as well. Is it, that we saw that that Paul is it, Paul and Silas are in prison. And there's this massive earthquake that happens and they have this radical encounter with the jailer. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 31 through 33. And here's Paul talking to the jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. See, in those two passages alone, what does it tell us? Is that believing should always lead to baptism. If you believed in Jesus, you should always immediately be baptized. See, that word immediately, when you see that in the passage, it's an urgency. They wanted to be fully obedient to God. Can I tell some of y'all in this room, the, the greater your obedience to Jesus, the greater the opportunity through Jesus the more you're obedient. Because there's some of us that come and and we read God's word and and there's things that we gravitate to. There's things that we want to agree with. There's things that we want to try to do our very best. But then we leave like 80% out. Yeah, I know that Jesus said that, but nah, that's a little too much. That's a little too old school. And can I tell you right now, those people who are fully obedient to Jesus they have the greatest opportunities, the greatest doors are opened up for them because they say, I don't just want a piece of Jesus, I want all of Jesus. I want to open myself up to all he has for me. Let me say it again. If you believe in Jesus, you've come into a relationship with him, but you've never been baptized, December 11th should be your day. Ah, I'm going to believe, and then I'm going to be baptized. See, there's probably my favorite piece of baptism. See, it starts with the descent, and then there's the dunk, but then there's a moment at the end that I like to call third and finally the delight. It's the delight. Because devotion to Jesus always leads to delight in Jesus. See, when you rolled up today, hopefully in the parking lot, you were greeted by by kind people as you came through the door, as you were checking your kids into Riverside Kids. Those people that I know that I do life with, where does their delight come from? They're not just putting on that smile on a Sunday morning. That's just who they is. That's just who they are. And they, they have delight in their life because they are devoted to Jesus. The greater the devotion, the greater the delight. Some of y'all right now are miserable. Can I tell you why you're probably miserable? Because you are probably not very devoted to Jesus. Because the more that you're devoted, the more delight that you will have. See, there's a delight that when you go from death to life, there's a delight that, uh, that's attached to you when you're obedient to Jesus. There's going to be a delight today when these men and women, these boys and girls, they come out of the water. They start walking out. There will be a smile that came across their face. Why? Because they have found delight in a man named Jesus. See, and this is the moment. This is the moment. If, if you're about to be baptized this morning, you got your shirt on, you're ready for the descent, you're ready for the dunk. Listen, when you stand up, I better see the delight the, the on your face already. If you're getting baptized today, will you just stand up right where you are? Come on, and we're going to celebrate them. Let's go, let's go. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to make your way right through this door. Come on, keep going. Give it up. Let's go. I love you. I love you. See, some of y'all this morning, there's a delight in the dismissal because you know I'm about to land this plane. I know you. Yeah, you're about 87% happy for them, 13% we about done. You continue to read in the book of Acts, Paul had been falsely accused of starting riots. He'd been falsely accused of, of defiling the, the temple and he's brought before the high council and Listen to his words in Acts chapter 23, verse 6. I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Paul, despite everything against him, arrests, beatings, betrayals, Paul continued to put his trust in Jesus. See, I don't know about you, but we put our our hope, we put our trust in so many things. And you need to know today, I don't put my hope in my wife. I don't put my hope in my title. I don't put my hope in my accomplishments. I don't put my hope in my bank account. I don't even put my hope in the government. I don't put my hope in even the men and women of this house. My hope is found in a man named Jesus. See, there's too many of us today where, if we're honest, we're living lives that are hopeless rather than hopeful. Too many of us are living lives of suffering rather than lives of celebrating. See, that's what today's all about. That's what the good news, the gospel story is all about. When Jesus was buried it wasn't the end of the story. It was actually the beginning of the next chapter that Jesus was about to write for you and for me. See, because when you look in Luke chapter 24, 1 through 6, it says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. So you need to know the backstory to this is that night that Joseph took Jesus' body, he gave him a really hasty burial to make sure he got into the tomb. And now the women were coming just a couple of days later. They were coming to give Jesus the proper burial that he deserved. But they were about to be in for a shock. They they came expecting a burial, but they left experiencing a resurrection. It was greater than what they thought. Just this week on Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to be one of the drivers for Underground's Amazing Race. And and I'm just going to say joy we won yo we won first place come on and I remember the the first year we did this I was a student pastor at, at Riverside uh, for a couple years and in, in 2018 was the first year we did it and uh, my daughter Ella went to uh, her cousin Joy and said hey do you want to be a part of my team and I love the Joyce here today because uh, Joy's like I'm not really sure she's like I did it that first year when your dad was in charge and it about killed me. Because you need to know that like that, that first year, we, we sent them to, we had a, an agreement with the, the Peoria Chiefs. And so they had to go to the Chiefs Stadium, O'Brien, I think is what it's called, O'Brien Field, O'Brien Stadium. And they had to search for a clue in all the thousands of chairs that were there. And they had to find just a, a clue. And then when they were done, after that they had to come over to the Methodist parking deck over here, and they had to park on the lowest level and go all the way around, getting all the way on like the fifth or sixth floor to find their clue from the next person. And then later on, as the race continued to go on, they made their way to John and Letty's house, and it, and Letty still won't let me into her house because of this. Because when they got to John and Letty's house as a team, they had to eat a whole gallon of spaghetti. And, like, people were getting sick in Letty's kitchen. Sarah Lowe was there. She remembers. And, like, people were going outside and, like, and they, they were, like, throwing up in their garden. They were going into the bathroom and, like, flushing spaghetti down their toilet. It was terrible. And, and, and Joyce said to Ella, I don't know that I'm going to be a part of that again. And I remember talking to Ella a few weeks ago, and she's like, I told Joy, now that you're not in charge of it, it's so much easier now. (laughs) And as she said that, I couldn't help but think about this morning. I couldn't help but think about our lives outside of Jesus and our lives with Jesus, because When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, can I tell you, just like the Amazing Race, there's still gonna be challenges. There's still gonna be hardships. There's still gonna be times that you may wanna give up, but a relationship with Jesus is so much easier. See, we take our cues from where we saw the women go to the tomb on Sunday and they look in and I take comfort that unlike a lot of religions in the world, we don't pray to a dead God. We don't pray to a dead God, we pray to a dedicated God a God that's dedicated and devoted to you and that he hears you when you call. He hears you when you go through hard times. He hears you when you fall down, when your life is spinning out of control. How do I know that? Because I've lived that life, y'all. Any kind of birthday, any kind of anniversary is an opportunity For not only celebration, but as an opportunity for reflection. I remember walking into this space two decades ago, in 2002 on Easter Sunday. I was a broken, confused, messed up, borderline suicidal young man that felt like all my hope was gone. There was an ounce of peace, an ounce of hope left in in me. And and, and to me, people are like, why do you cry every single Sunday? Because every single time I'm on this platform, it's a reminder of what God has done in my life. that over the last two decades, God has been doing something new in my life. And just like those getting baptized, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm a progressing person. God's doing something new in my life every single day. And I will never stand on a platform without honoring this incredible couple. Because when I walked into this space two decades ago, things started to shift in my life. And I didn't understand what it was at the time. I didn't have any words to put into it, but I just kept showing up. And people continued to love me, and I I, I realized who Jesus really could be in my life. It wasn't just a guy that I read about on the page, but I started to have a intimate relationship with Jesus and it changed my life and I went from being under the balcony in the hidden darkness of the balcony to be standing here two decades later in the bright lights on this platform to tell somebody today that if God has done it for me he can do the same thing for you See those ladies in scripture, they came expecting a burial, but they experienced a resurrection. Can I twist it around for somebody in this space today? You came expecting a baptism, but you're going to leave experiencing a resurrection. That God wants to do something new in your life. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there was a moment in a Sunday morning experience like this where there was a short, bald Welshman on this platform. And I was like, I don't have anything in common with that dude. But the Holy Spirit used that man to speak to me. And that morning, my life was changed and I'm standing here, I'm better because I came in that morning, I opened up my heart to Jesus and now I'm stepping into what I know is the call of God on my life. See, and I don't know who I'm talking to today. We gotta get over baptism, we gotta move on. But I don't want you to miss the moment today. There's some of you today that you're going to see people walk into this tank and they know without a shadow of a doubt that they've given their heart and life to Jesus. They know that their future is secured. They know that when they leave this life or when Jesus comes back, they are secured of their spot in heaven. But I have to stop and ask do you know that about yourself? Has there been a moment where you've crossed that threshold, where you've given your life fully to Jesus? Not just a little bit. I'm giving a little bit of my heart, a little bit of my life to Jesus, a little bit of my money to Jesus. But Lord, I'm saying, you can have it all. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, Michael, I don't know that if it all ended today, that I would be in heaven. Will you just raise your hand where you are? Is it really scary? I see it. You're trying to raise your hand. Some of y'all are like, I'm just going to keep rubbing my head right now. Raise your hand if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know where I would be if Jesus came back today. Keep your hands up high. Come on. If that's you today, I want you to make your way down here. Come on, come on, get up. Come on, wherever you are right now. Get up, I see you. Come on, let's go. If you know you should be down here, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're under the balcony, I want you to start moving right now. We're going to wait. We're not going anywhere. We got time today, y'all. You better keep going. You better get to your feet. What the Holy Spirit's doing in this space today, church family, get up on your feet. Can we give it up for what Jesus is doing? come on I've been waiting for you I've been waiting, come on come on let's go if you're a part of our discipleship team will you just make your way down here please if you're here at the altar coming up behind you these are just some of my very best friends. These are people that want to pray with you, that want to get to know your name, that want to start walking through this journey with you. I love you, Maria. And so here's what we're going to do. Those of you that are, and you've already taken the posture. See, when we get on our knees, it's a posture of, This is an intimate moment between me and Jesus. If you're not finding time throughout your day, throughout your week to get on your knees and spend time with Jesus, you're missing out on the opportunities, the full opportunities that obedience to Jesus will always lead to. And so those of you that are here, I'm gonna pray a prayer and you're just gonna repeat after me in your own words. And I don't want these to just be words. I want you to pray these from the depths of your soul, from the depths of your spirit. When we pray, it's just communication with us and Jesus. We're, we're going to invite him into our future. And so will you bow your head? will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I invite you into my life that you would remove my past, and that you would begin to walk with me into the future. I believe that you died for me, I believe that you were buried, and I believe that you raised again, and today you're preparing a place for me one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate? Let's go.